The path to the draft. Toronto Maple Leafs. That's Raymond spinning off a check. Here's Riley bringing it into the zone. Morgan Riley going wide with the shot. Welcome back to Game Night here on TSN 1050 Worldwide on TSN1050.ca. Andy McNamara alongside Dave McCarthy. Yeah, NHL path to the draft time under a week away. Friday, it begins. Coverage on TSN. Welcome now to the phone line, Corey Pronman of ESPN.com, hockey prospects writer. Corey, welcome. And uh, yeah, hey, the, the draft, it's, it's just about here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And yep, uh, we we just under a week away now. It's become a very busy time, and it's, it's exciting for anybody involved in the prospect world. And it's kind of what you gear up for. Corey, last year we saw elite talents like Nathan McKinnon and Seth Jones as the featured prospects. The general consensus for top names this year surround Aaron Ekblad and Sam Bennett. How do the upper echelon prospects this off season compare to the 2013 crop? I think there's one elite prospect in my mind. Aaron Ekblad is the, is the only a truly elite prospect in this year's draft. If you're trying to compare talent level to last year's draft, I think the major difference between last year's draft and this one is we simply don't have that elite forward talent. I don't think the top forwards in this draft class compare to what Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Drouin and Alexander Barkov were last year. It's not to say that Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt, Leon Dreisaitl, Nikolai Eliers are not very good prospects, but I just don't think they rise to the level what Nathan McKinnon was. It's why I think you see some skepticism going to this year's draft because of the history of defensemen taking first overall and that it scares some teams to take defensemen with such high picks. So I think that's why you see some tenderness and maybe not as much accolades given to the top of this year's draft class. Corey, if you were the Maple Leafs general manager, Dave Nonis, drafting eighth in this year's draft, uh, what would you be targeting in that draft position? Uh, or do you think it would behoove the Maple Leafs to either trade up or down uh, from that eighth uh, position, given the fact that, uh, as you said, the, the level of talent in this draft is not necessarily where it was last year. So maybe, hey, if, you, if you're drafting eighth and you think you can get a, a decent player at the 20th, 12th spot, uh, trade down and maybe get an extra pick or two in the process. Do you think that would be something that would uh, that would, would serve the Maple Leafs better than to stick with the 8th spot? Well, I look at the Maple Leafs organization, and a spot where they're the strongest is on the wing. I mean, you have JVR, you have Phil Kessel, you have Lupo. I think they have some pretty strong winger prospects as well. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, but they have two centers, in their, in their lineup, they are Bozak and, and Kadri, who are, who are good players. They really don't have that star center prospect. And I think the three big centers in, in this draft, Reinhardt, Ben, Dreisaitl, are not going to get there by eight. So if they were going to try and trade up to either get one of those centers, or and they were also really a defenseman, if they somehow manage to get to, to X Black possible, I think we'll go out of one. But I mean those are the trade up scenarios you're looking at. But I mean for an organization that finished towards where they are understanding, but I don't really think they have a deep farm system, they just need high end talent overall. I don't think this is a team that should be trying to trade down. I think they need some star power in this organization because I think they have a lot of room for improvement left. So I would either try and stick at the eighth spot or try and trade up and get one of those centers. But I don't think they're at the point where they need to be Trying, training down and getting quantity. I think they need quality in, in the pipeline. 
in conversation with Corey Promen of ESPN.com, hockey's prospects writer here on TSN 1050, NHL pass to the draft. Corey, after Ekblad, who, as you said, uh, the, the number one ranked defenseman, who are some of the second-tier defensemen that maybe uh, might fall to the Maple Leafs or someone they can consider? Ranked ninth right now is uh, Hayden Fleury, and then you have Julius Honka at number 11. Fleury falling from six at midseason and Honka rising. Do any of those seem as uh, that they might be good fits for, for the Maple Leafs? You know, I think the second best defense prospect is clearly Hayden Fleury with Red Jen and Western League. Uh, I think he could probably go anywhere between the 8 to 12 range in this year's draft, which obviously mm-hmm. would include uh, Toronto's slot. And watching where Fleury go will be interesting just because this is a pretty soft year when it comes to defensemen. I'm kind of skeptical that either Tonka or D'Angelo will go in the mid-first, middle uh, range of the first round. So. So we just need to see if the team tries to trade up to grab Hidden Fleury, given that there's a big drop from Ekblad to Fleury, and then I think a bigger drop uh, from Fleury, uh, not a bigger drop, but an equally big drop from Fleury to the next best deep prospect. Mm. So, I mean, in Toronto's range, I think there's either him or Ekblad are the only real uh, top-tier defenseman in this year's draft class. So if you're the Florida Panthers picking number one overall, um, where do you think their uh, targets lie? I mean, they've got some nice pieces on this team. They've got Jonathan Huberdeau. They've got Alexander Barkov. I've uh, got uh, Eric Goodbranson on the blue line, who should be uh, a, a good player. So they've got pieces throughout their lineup. Do you think they go for the defenseman Aaron Ekblad that you say is probably the only legitimate top-flight prospect uh, in this draft? Well, it's interesting you mentioned good brands, and because I think they, when they drafted him third overall, they, Florida probably hoped he'd be farther along at this point than where he currently is, and that's why I think Ekblad is really on the table for them. Because while they have some really good young defensemen, they drafted Mike Matheson in the first round uh, t- uh, two years ago. He looks like a really talented prospect. They have Kulikov and Eric in their system. I don't think they really, they don't really have a a top-tier young defenseman. Good brands and Kulikov kind of really flourished into cornerstone-type pieces. And because of that, I think Ekblad's really on the table for them, and I think he'd be a, a, a reasonable choice for them. Now, they definitely need scoring. Their team was really bad offensively last year, but I think given where they are, they need a bunch of everything, and he's the best player on the board. So I think taking Ekblad would be a perfectly reasonable choice for Florida. In conversation with Corey Pronman of ESPN.com, Corey, each year, you pick the professional sport, there's some fast risers. There's some players that pop up and, and, and surprise people how high they're taken because teams value them uh, because of reason X, Y, and Z. Who are a couple of those fast risers that you could see uh, surprising individuals in this year's draft? Well, I think some of, there's, there's two, I think, small European wingers that, that kind of that rose this year. Nikolai Ehlers came into the QNJHL as a first-year import and had one of the best uh, 17-year-old seasons by an import I can remember in terms of production and how he looked. And I think he's a guy who's not uh, completely safe, but moderately safe. I think he will go among the top 10 picks this year. I'm not sure where. Kevin Fiala, who plays in the the Sweden Hockey League, had a tremendous second half. He was, at times, dominant um, uh, versus men in Sweden's top division. He's a guy who I thought uh, rose a lot this year. And I don't think he was uh, arrived on the same level, but I thought Robbie Fabry in the Ontario League also had a pretty good season, continued to impress, continued to produce at a very high level. 
from the Idaho Lincoln tournament all the way through the OHL playoffs. And I think he's a guy who, I don't know if he's going to go maybe top 10, if he has a chance, but there's a, a pretty decent chance he could go in the top 15 mm. as well. And, Corey, if we look at the other side of it, um, who might be overhyped? And, and, and who are a name or two that you think, hey, stay away from them in the top 10 or 20? Uh, I know this is a guy that, might, that sometimes is linked to because of his play style, but I'm a little tentative to pick Nick Ritchie in the top 10. Mm. I, I see some of the things that are really appealing about him. Uh, and I've watched him a lot, and, I, and I, he definitely has some – he stands out because he's big, he's strong, he has a good skill level, he has a high-end shot. But it's just, it's just not there every game for me. I, I see on his best game, he can be a dominant power forward. And we saw that in, in the playoff series versus Kingston. He had that five-goal game, I believe. He was just a guy who carried Pierborough on his back. But over the last two seasons, I just haven't really seen that player from Nick Ritchie that often. And I think there are players of equal skill sets or near equal skill sets without as much risk that you can take in the top ten. Maybe he's I would be a little uh, more comfortable taking him, maybe more towards like the uh, the 11 to 15 range. One pick that I'm really interested to uh, see, Corey, what happens with is uh, the number three pick, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. You know, we, we, we hold the draft lottery here at the TSN studios, and for the last number of years, um, we've, we've been telling the Oilers we don't want to see them anymore, but my goodness, they just keep, you know, finding a way to get back into our studio. Um, this time around, clearly, like, they need... A defenseman. They do not need any more young forwards because they have quite a crop of those already. Um, but as you mentioned, it doesn't look like Aaron Ekblad is going to drop to number three. Do you think there's a chance that Edmonton uh, trades down in that number three pick? Because really, the last thing they need is a, is another young forward. And in this case, you know, a young forward without a guarantee of greatness the way maybe t- Taylor Hall had uh, a few years back. Yeah, and the interesting thing with the Oilers is that their first overall picks, when you look at the development of Ryan Nugent-Hopkins and Neil Yakupov, uh, Nugent-Hopkins has been a good player. He hasn't been an amazing player. Yakupov, you know, he's kind of been up and down in, in those first two seasons so far. So it's not like they picked first of all and got great players, and now they have the witnesses up front. I mean, they're still a team that does you know, even though they have the talent at Ford, I wouldn't say they're great at Ford currently. And it's why I think, you know, they, from what I'm hearing, that they are definitely looking to add a center to the organization, whether it's Sam Lionheart or Leon Dreisaitl, because Sam Gagne, you know, he, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to be a top-line center or top-two-line center on a contending team. He might need to push off to the wing. He's struggled with face-offs. And I think they will be taking the best player available. And it's not what Oilers fans probably want to hear. But this is still a team that's a, a good number of years away, and they still need more talent despite picking at the top these last couple of years. Last one for me, Corey. Uh, in your Top 100 NHL Draft Prospects article on ESPN.com, you have William Nylander ranked third, right winger, above Sam Reinhart. Why do you like Nylander at that third spot over Reinhart? Well, uh, Neil Leonard came into the season they, you know, among that top tier, I think, throughout the scouting in- industry. And he had a first half that was kind of so-so. He fell off the radar. He didn't play at the World Juniors. But then he had just a tremendous second half. Uh, I think he had the most productive season in SHL2 history. And the top division sweeping the league, he was playing a really top level, sometimes playing 20 minutes a night uh, with Moto. And then at the 
double agent under 18s. He was the best forward there. His skill level is elite. He can be a dynamic player. And I don't think he has the complete game of Sam Bennett or, or Sam Reinhardt. He doesn't have the size of Leon Dreisaitl. So in terms of what he can do with the puck and his overall uh, puck position and, and skill level, I think there's a lot to like there. I'm not saying there's no risk with a mm-hmm. player like him, but I think in terms of pure upside, he probably has the highest in the draft. Great job, Corey. Thank you so much for stopping by. really appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on.